Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast. This is episode 127. We are continuing our positional series today. This is position series number four, guard. Hello, Kieran. Hello, Adam. How are you? I am really good. I'm coming off a solid jiu-jitsu weekend. I uh, recently attended, as in last Sunday, two days after this, before this recording rather, I attended John Danaher's seminar here in Sydney. But we're going to be talking about that uh, in depth because I learned a lot of um, really awesome stuff, including some inside uh, information about the the coveted Danaher Desk Squad New Wave edition. So we're going to be talking about that next week, but yeah, not, we're to, gonna, not to detract from today's episode, but it's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. For people who have been listening to us for a while, you would have known, you know, when we had a seminar with um, Mario Hayes, we did a mm-hmm. What We Learned From Mario Hayes seminar with um, Craig Jones, What yep. We Learned From Craig Jones. So we'll be doing that, recording that episode next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't do the seminar, so... Essentially, Kieran has told me a little bit just in conversation in the gym what he learned and yeah. some of the, you know, uh, even just right now before recording a little bit of things that uh, John had mentioned about IBJJF and stuff like that. But I essentially said, "Oh man, like don't tell let's me, let's wait for the podcast. Yeah, let's wait till <laughs> next week, so it's a bit yeah. more of a, you know, things that uh, I'm going to be hearing from Kieran for the first time as to what he learned and some yeah. of the details and things that John said. And so it'll be a bit. I'm looking forward to that." that chat mm. um yeah however this this week we're continuing the the positional series so we started with uh back control we did mount we did side control uh we're now just essentially doing guard i know that is a you know more than one position no How, yeah however yeah this is something we can always return to and continue to do positional series so uh we wanted to start with an overarching guard episode rather than from the beginning being like half guard, spider guard, Delaheba, yeah. reverse Delaheba, single it's leg. It's like X, a year X worth guard, of podcasts. You know, like so much, yeah. you know, because then even half guard, you can be like, you know, is it reverse half guard? Is he, have you got guard. the crossword? Yeah, yeah, deep half. So many. So Fuck we're just essentially doing it. Yes. Fuck you, Ollie. <laughs> yes, it can be rather frustrating. So we're essentially just doing a bit of an overarching guard episode so then we've ticked off the main ones of back control mount side control and and guard yeah and then um and then we can dive into more detail down the track as we continue the positional series and go you know specific because someone had commented um on on instagram I, i forget the the name but had commented like, oh, I'm looking forward to the, the neon belly episode. It's ah, like, yes. You know, yep. it's like, okay, we're not quite going into that segmented yet, you know, mm. but we will. We can do a whole episode on high mount, Yeah, you know. So it's different. Yeah. Anyway. Guard. So if you are new to the position series, it's- If you are new to jujitsu, guard. <laughs> well. <laughs> so we're following a format of uh, introduction concepts, attacking, defending, and then resources at the end. That's the way it's structured. So introduction to guard. Do you prefer to play guard or are you more of a passer? Because normally- most jujitsu people fall into the one or two camps. Either you're predominantly a passer, that's your A game, or you're predominantly a guard player. Yeah, that's true. And I think even 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 at the highest level, people still have 
typically they're they're preferred. Obviously, you know, even at my level, as not a you know making the podium at Worlds, professional, ADCC, whatever. But even at my level, obviously you're you're competent at both. Mm. So you know, it goes without saying that professional grapplers are competent at both, but they will still have their preferred. Mm. I mean, even the the even Gordon Ryan, obviously, you see him pull guard most of the time, right? But it doesn't mean you want to be fucking on the bottom playing guard against Gordon Ryan, right? You know, uh, but I think I've always been and still probably prefer to be on top. And I'll tell you what, I think right in the beginning, like we're talking my first two stripes of white belt. I probably preferred guard, which is usually I think the opposite to most brand new beginners because it's not intuitive. Mm. And especially if you – Australia, we don't really have people who come from a wrestling background. Uh, but if you think people in North America or even, you know, all over Europe come from a wrestling background, obviously guard's not very intuitive, makes way more sense to be on top. And even people not coming from wrestling, that's usually the case. You know, it's pretty – copy paste advice you give white belts a lot of the time is get on top stay on top and whatever however i think those first early days i liked playing guard because being quite tall and being you know jujitsu what it was back then opposed to today where even i don't want to say open guard was a new thing but it was even more sort of okay it's closed guard and half guard you know uh, and half guard was even seen to be an inferior position. Yeah, like, I mean, prior to when I started, it was. Yeah. yeah, like, I mean, when I started, things like spider guard and all that already existed. Mm. But, you know, it was definitely, it wasn't like today where it's very, very rare that you see people like have closed guard. Yeah. You know, but, but back then it was way more common. And yeah, so being quite tall, I felt really comfortable just to like have closed guard. And even though I necessarily, couldn't necessarily do a lot of sweeps or submissions or whatever. Just people had a hard time because obviously I'm training with other white belts, a hard time, you know, opening my guard and that. However, for sure, uh, once I learned a little bit more, by the time I was a blue belt, yeah, I preferred to be on top. And it kind of played into my favor because whenever I would compete, people would just instantly look at me and see how tall and long I am and go, oh, man, He's Particularly going, for your weight class, you were like 88 at that time. Yeah, that's right. They, uh, they would go, oh, man, I don't want to be in that dude's guard. He's going to pull guard, so I'll pull guard first. And they'd pull guard and then I'd be like, yeah, sweet. sweet. And <laughs> to the point where I would often get a lot of free two points just for like tapping someone's foot with my foot yeah. as they pulled guard and I would get two for it. Uh, but the other reason I like being on top is just because I feel like you have a – a slight bit more of a of a safety net and you can be a little bit more in control of dictating like the pace of the fight, mm. especially because this, when you look at the rules as well, the person on top has the obligation to engage, you know, so you can be the one that, that presses forward or you can be the one, not that you should be backing out, but you can be the one who kind of, if you need a second, you know, you can kind of take that second. But also – a lot of the time when you fail at passing someone's guard, you, yeah, of, of course you can get caught in a submission, but sometimes that failure is just resulting in getting swept and then 
a lot of the time you get swept and land in, in, in guard. A, in guard. Mm. So you're kind of like very clearly still in the fight. However, if you're playing guard and you fuck up and you get passed, you've then, you know, it's not the same, right? You're then down on points and you've got to recover from side control. Mm. So I feel like the price of, of failure when you're playing guard is bigger than the price of failure when you're passing. Mm. Although obviously we know it's not as clear as that because you can fail in passing by getting armbarred or something and then the fight's completely over. So submission, you know what I mean? submissions aside, you're looking at, okay, you pass guard, that's three points and you're in a dominant position. You're in mount, you're in cycle. Yeah, there's also a psychological back. factor to it because when you get swept and you land, you know, in your guard, which a lot of the time happens, mm. don't get me wrong, you can get swept straight to mount and that fucking sucks. But if you get swept and you've still got your guard, it doesn't hurt as much psychologically. Mm. I mean, I've lost competitions from being swept to guard and almost semi not fighting the sweep that much because I was so confident in my ability to sweep them back and then not being able to sweep them back and then mm. losing the fight on points. Uh, but, yeah, when you get your guard passed and someone consolidates side control, like there's quite a psychological defeat there, you know. So uh, and I, I love the feeling of, of passing someone's guard. Like I get more satisfaction out of passing someone than sweeping, than sweeping oh, someone, 100%. you know. But, yes, of course, playing guard has the submission a- aspect, you know. The, the best satisfaction is is submitting someone. Mm. But, um, but yeah, I love I, – I, I like the feeling I get from, from passing someone. And I'm sure a lot of people who go the route of bearing bolos probably have a similar – feeling about taking the back they go man it just feels so good when you take someone's back it and does. get your seatbelt and hooks in which yes it does but um, for, for me submissions aside because obviously that's the overall goal i think my favorite feeling you know my favorite move or technique to hit that gives me the most like sort of dopamine hit I guess would be passing someone's guard for me that feels better than sweeping someone then taking someone down then taking someone's back then mounting them whatever like that's the feeling that you know yeah I, like I, I don't know quite how to put it into words but it's a feeling that makes me feel like like that's where I would do a mic drop you mm. know if you will even though obviously the fight's not over so um, it's the ultimate dominance over your opponent yeah that's what it feels like even though yeah I mean you could argue back and forth about what position is the most dominant. There's, all, there's always going to be preference. I mean, we, re- we referenced this a few times over a previous few episodes about the, the Lex Friedman podcast with Hodra Gracie on mm. it. And, yeah, uh, you know, arguably the best position in jiu-jitsu is the back, right? But, mm. you know, Hodger's like, I'll take Mount over the back any day. Danaher no, talked about that as well. Oh, did he really? Yeah, he did. He did. And oh, he, come on. Give me a snippet since I will, we're talking I will, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And – uh he said that the back is by far the most dominant position and nothing comes close. Yeah. And I mean, like he wouldn't be wrong. Right. Mm. But then I get, then then I guess like, like, you know, okay, you, that's hard. Right. Because you always, you know, uh, particularly for Nogi though. Yeah. Right. I guess that would have been more the topic. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like people's jujitsu is so fleeting, you know, uh, how how long does Hodger Gracie need to – I mean, by far the greatest of all time, mm. right? And anyone who's sitting here going like, oh, oh, what about Gordon, this and that, like 
you know, even Hodges said Gordon will, will be the greatest of all time, but you can't call him that while he's not retired, mm. which I don't know, but I think that's semantics. But anyway, yeah, you know, you got someone who, for those who aren't educated about it, you got, you know, a 10-time world champion in Hodger Gracie who retired, then came out of retirement to beat the shit out of Bushesha, you know, and still essentially be like, yeah, man, I'm, I've been retired for – you know, however many years and you went on to become a 10-time world champion. I've come out of retirement and still kicked your ass, you know. It would be the equivalent if all of a sudden GSP came out of retirement and and beat the shit out of Khabib. That mm. would be essentially what Hodger Gracie did, right? But, um, yeah, Jiu-Jitsu was different then. Even, even he talked about um, back in his day – ADCC was essentially like the only no-gi competition. Mm. You know, it wasn't – no-gi wasn't what it is now. And, uh, yeah, but how long does Hodger need to be retired before people say he's irrelevant and blah, blah, blah? And then let's fast forward 10, 20, 30, 40 years. How, how long before people start saying like, you know, ignoring Gordon Ryan's opinion because Gordon Ryan's been retired for 15 years and is – no longer relevant because jiu-jitsu yeah but jiu-jitsu is not what it is today what it was back then anyway there's a long way of saying you know that for hodger mounts his preferred position right but i think just to to jump on the danaher riding club um i think from his perspective he was coming at it purely from an analytical point of view like hey if you assess across all these different grappling disciplines what the most dominant position is as per high percentage moves it's the back yeah, and I mean, I I go even further to say the hands down best position is like the back where you have them belly down. Oh yeah, which we call oh, yeah. in Portuguese um, chicken filler, uh, right? Yeah, like butterflying a chicken, a spalifrango, yeah. which is like to you know butterfly yeah. or spread out a chicken. Yeah, yeah, like Self-fish. I mean, that is the worst position to be caught in. Yeah, you can tap someone, just especially if they have like a body, body lock on or yeah, something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry, a body triangle. Like, yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so I prefer to be on top. I've also, again, I'm just some chump of a black belt, but, you know, at least within my, you know, small circle. Well, I don't think it's that small, but at least, like, you know, I um, – Where is this going? <laughs> you know, uh, I don't – it just sounds so wanky to say I'm known for because I'm not known for anything, but, like, within my small circle, you know, of – I'm known for like having really good top pressure and, mm. you know, and I've trained with just random strangers who mm. have said, oh, you know, who know that I come from Do you have a or whether they know bro. or don't know my back, my jujitsu background. They'll be mm. like, man, you've got that real sort of like alliance pressure. And yeah. again, for those who don't know, my coach, Fabio Gagel, you know, known for big, heavy top pressure. I also trained with like Bernardo Fadir and big heavy yeah. dudes with really good pressure passing. Mm. And yeah, I like being on top and I've, yeah, really good shoulder pressure and mm. just essentially like making someone feel like they want to quit. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, yeah. What about you? I'm the same. I'm, I'm, I'm a clone of you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a shorter, talking. stockier version. Yeah, shorter, you. uglier, dumber <laughs> version. Um, yeah, like come on. You, you've taught me we've done this podcast so many times. Like we have, you know, somewhere around 127 hours with talking about jiu-jitsu around these concepts um, and probably way more hours inside the gym, hundreds of hours. So, yeah, I'm very, very influenced by that. Um, 
love passing, love pressure passing, love that dominance feeling. I feel like it is the ultimate form of displaying dominance over an opponent is passing their guard and, and, and controlling them. Yeah. I mean, not to say that guard isn't fun. I love leg locks. I love guard. I love, you know, kipping into a um, Ashigarami and taking the heel home. Like I love that sort of shit. It's fun. I love uh, bolos and inverting because it's fun and it's, you know, cool, doing cool, crazy inverts, taking the back, but nothing beats smashing through an opponent's guard and dominating them. Agreed. So let's make sure that doesn't happen. Okay. <laughs> so um, guard, guard um, concepts. So, you know, again, like what guard are we talking about? You know, this could – we could do concepts just on one particular guard. So we'll try to keep it over overarching. My advice for just – or the concepts of guard – that I look for is really the ability to establish a guard and the, the more proficient your training partner is, the less they will let this happen. So I try to teach this to my students when we're working on passing. Mm. It's like guarantee you every single person listening has done this and trained with people who do this, that when you're passing and a role starts, you know, you essentially step into their guard, more or less completely let them establish their grips and set up their guard and whatever before you kind of switch on. And then you do all this work to break grips and disengage just to get back to where you were so you could do like a, a bullfighter or a toriando pass or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, that bad habit becomes less apparent the more experienced you become and your training partners become. Well, or at least it should do, right? So that means you need to work harder to establish your guard. And there's there's particular drills that that you can do to help um, to help that. I don't mean drills as in like you know hip escapes and inverting. I mean there's ways you can structure a particular like um, training, uh, not program, but like round or whatever to replicate that. But I believe establishing your guard is a very, very crucial uh, concept and it's really going to tie into attacking and defending. But uh, that initial grip fight is super important. So let's imagine you're you're lying on your back. You're not playing seated guard. It's open guard and you're on your back because whatever. Maybe you were seated and they picked your heels up and you're now on your back, whatever. Mm -hmm. So... The strength of guard versus the person passing is that, you know, if you look at it just from a uh, like a really scientific or a data point of view, you've got four limbs against two, okay? Because the person passing typically just has their hands because their feet are usually on the mat or their knees are on the mat. Yes, there's now all this leg pinning and whatever, but Knee I mean cutting and yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like exactly. it's a, yeah. that's where the strength is. If you really try to put it a bit more sort of just black and white. Mm-hmm. When you're lying on your back, right? The problem is that there as the person passing engages with you, their hands make it to your legs right, before your hands can reach them, Mm -hmm. okay, because of the fact you're lying on your back and, you know, (laughs) that's the way they approach you. Your legs are the first thing that they physically can uh, touch, Mm -hmm. okay, and the first thing that they can touch with is their hands. So what you need to do to establish your guard in this sort of scenario 
is you need to be able to win a grip fight of feet versus hands for long enough until your hands can reach them. And sometimes this is, you know, half a second that this grip fight goes for. Sometimes it goes for a little bit longer. Now, what do I mean grip fight? Well, I want you to imagine the exact same way you might grip fight when you're standing. And we'll just imagine we're in the gi for this to make it very clear. Imagine you're, you're, you're standing and that, in, you know, someone reaches for your collar to get their grips while you're, while you're standing and you kind of, yeah, break the collar grip or you swat the grip away. And, you know, there's that essentially like hand fighting, grip fighting going on. The exact same thing, but instead of it being two hands versus two hands, it's two hands versus two feet, right? So your ability to pummel your legs and kind of um, – I don't know if in the rest of the world it's taught like this, but when you're when you you're taught to tread water, they teach you like egg to beater. do the egg beater, mm. you know, like a cake mixer thing. Mm. Uh, so like your ability to essentially pummel, this is all the grip fighting you're doing, right? And you only need to do that for long enough until your hands can come into play, so you can establish your guard, right? And uh, but if you don't learn that skill. And you continue, and then you start training with more experienced, advanced training partners who don't have that bad habit of letting you establish a guard. You're going to start to have those roles where you don't really know what went wrong, but you just instantly got past, right? And it's because that the person on top they they never went into your guard; in, they put you into their pass, right? So you never get to establish a guard. So. This is a very important concept of, of grip fighting with your guard, that, that feet versus hands grip fight as a means to establish a guard, mm -hmm. right? Because how can we even talk about attacking, you know, defending and, you know, the rest of the structure of this episode if you can't even establish your guard? How can we create a drill that replicates this? Well, let me give you one of my favorite <laughs> my most hated favorite drills because this is a fucking punish. And every time I do it in the gym, people like everyone loves and hates it because yeah. it sucks to do because it's super hard, but like it's a great drill. And obviously when we're, when we're doing anything and I, I believe I would have said this in all the other positional episodes, any, anything we're talking about, every position in jujitsu essentially has a top and a bottom, so to speak. Right. So, Every, anything we say, we, you can just re-engineer, reverse engineer, and you're doing it for the other person. So this drill is just as much a drill for getting better at passing as it is for guard, right? Mm -hmm. This is not – well, unless you're doing a drill where you're specifically, oh, okay, the person on top is going to let you do this, right? That's not the case here, okay? So here's the drill. Uh, you have your partner, and the rounds are only 15-second rounds, Okay. What you have to do, and take notes, people, if you've never done this drill, right, this is a fucking great drill, right, and my students have done it, and I know one particular friend of mine who listens to this podcast, Ali, you know, he's got uh, Elements Jiu-Jitsu in Bahrain. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he knows the exact drill I'm about to describe, and I'm sure his students probably do it because it is such a good drill. So 15-second rounds, you start standing. One of you is going to pull guard and establish your guard. And this is to be done at the, intens the intensity of a roll, 
okay? What we're essentially trying to do is replicate either the start of a match or the very end of a match, okay? Like the way I was taught this drill was we're trying to replicate the start of the match. However, I found you get more something more tangible in the, 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 the motivation to your students if you tell them you're trying to replicate the last 15 seconds of a match. And you're down points. And you're down on points, right? So And whoever's the, pulling guard is obviously up on points. That's right, yeah. So the person pulling guard, if you can sweep them or submit them in 15 seconds, like that's fucking awesome, do it. But essentially the guard puller, imagine what you're trying to do is, you know, you've got- Stall. Kind of stall. Yeah. Pull guard and establish a guard. If you can, inf- if you can like get to close guard, very difficult to pass close guard in fifteen seconds. Very difficult, yeah. right? The person on top, you're essentially trying to blitz, man. You've only got fifteen seconds, so yeah, you've got fifteen seconds. You need to score because you're down on points, or more about a passer learning not to fall into someone's established guard was. Uh, why it was taught to me is replicating the start of the fight. They've pulled guard and you don't want to let them establish a guard for 10, 15 seconds, you blitz them. Mm. This has other benefits, right, of uh, teaching people the the psychological part of competing and how you can, uh, you know, if for 10, 15 seconds you blitz, even if you – actually, I'm getting a little off topic. I'll, I'll leave that point for uh, later on, uh, right? And then after 15 seconds – there's only a five-second interval. Mm. That's enough time for you to both stand up and now the other person pulls guard. Just to clarify, you have to let them pull guard. You can't fuck around and like fight their grips, run away around the gym and shit, and then this time it goes up and you're like, oh, sweet. You have to establish – you have to – whoever is pulling guard gets to establish their grips and then go straight away. You can you can like beat them to the punch and like throw their leg away if they do a shit lazy guard pull, but you have to effectively let them pull. That's right, yeah. So that's – that's exactly it. It's it's only a 15-second round. So the person pulling guard is not fucking around, mm. dicking around, moving, 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 and with two seconds left pulling guard. No. And at the same, time, the, per- the time, yeah, as soon as the timer goes, you just get your grip and pull guard. Yep. At the same time, the person who's on top, because standard rules, right, mm. you have to have a grip before you're allowed to pull guard. So the person who's going to be on top, you're not swatting away grips. You're not like, you you know, you essentially let them make their grip. But the second they start pulling guard, it's go time. So like you said, if you can knock their leg out of the way and fall straight to side control, you do it. That's a punish lazy guard pulling. That's right. This drill done correctly is essentially multiple 15-second sprints. Yeah, it's like a Sparta set. Which is fucking hard. Like think about, you know, a sprint. The best sprinters in the world, their sprint goes for 10 seconds. Yeah. It's like sprinting for 15 seconds is hard. Yeah. I, I guess a 200 meter sprint is still a sprint, but past that, mm. runners aren't sprint. Like a sprint is a sprint. So 15 seconds. And then when you do 10 of these rounds, which is usually how I do it, so I'll do 10. So you essentially have five guard pulls, five on top, and then you would change partners. It's a punish, man. It's really hard. But this is one of the best dr- drills. Because you're learning, let me go back to where I was getting off topic now. Because you're learning three crucial skills for what we're talking about today. You're learning guard establishment, right? Like I said, if you can sweep or submit them in 15 seconds, that's awesome. Mm. But if you can just establish your guard in 15 seconds, that's great because it's very difficult to pass any established guard in 15 seconds. If ever you land in close guard in this drill, 
You've, Both you, people you, usually just give up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't do shit, right? Yeah. But any established guard doesn't, you know, if you, if if you can put a lasso in and a foot on the bicep, yeah, you know, it's very, very hard, hard to yeah. pass that a lasso spider guard in 15 seconds. Like a really right? deep delaheaver or something. Yeah, or worm guard yeah, or, whatever, yeah, like yeah. whatever it is, X guard, mm. whatever it is, very hard to pass an established guard in 15 seconds. How do you pull into X guard? Bro. Don't know. Uh, so, <laughs> I was just thinking. You'd, so, you'd pull and then go next guy. Well, yeah, sort of. Yeah, like essentially think you're pretty much pulling to mount, but then just making sure your X goes in rather than them sitting down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah good point. Uh, so the person on bottom's learning guard establishment, what we're talking about today. But the person on top is learning how not to let someone establish a guard, right? And not fall into that that bad habit. The third thing I wanted to mention that was, yeah, a bit more off topic, but while we're talking about this drill is you, if we do it like how I was taught it, where you're replicating the start of a match opposed to the end, you're learning a very important psychological tool that you can use because for most of us, when we go compete, we're competing against someone we don't know. It's not Gordon Ryan versus Felipe Pena where, you know, even if they'd never fought each other before, they're both well-known professional athletes. There's hours so much hours of tape you can watch and you can essentially have a game plan and prepare mm-hmm. for a game plan and train for a game plan. This isn't the case. You're just a bracket. You don't know who the fuck that dude is, whatever. So if you do this, let's say whether they pull or you pull, whatever it is, but this initial, if you start a match and you implement a 10, 15 second sprint, 10, 15 second blitz, mm. Even if you gain zero positional advantage, you weren't able to sweep them, you weren't able to pass them, you weren't able to take them down, whatever, you have made massive gains psychologically. Because a lot of people listening who have competed have probably fought one of these dudes where for the first 10, 15 seconds they go fucking hard and even if they make no progress you're then standing there going this holy guy's a fuck fucking this loon. dude's a holy fuck yeah who I, is this guy yeah i can't do this for another oh my god yeah you know so there's a huge psychological <laughs> component to it where yeah. you you and and the way that i say it to my students is like cuz your opponent doesn't need to know and logic goes out the window when you're in a match yeah. sometimes they don't need to know that you can't maintain that that pace for for the entire match. Mm. They don't know that. I mean, you know that, but they don't need to know that, mm. right? Uh, what? But what I say to my students is that first 10, 15 seconds, I don't want you to think that you're, you're dictating or setting the pace of the match because then that's going to start you to think, but I can't maintain that pace for five, six, whatever belt you are, minutes, right? I can't maintain that pace for eight minutes. So I don't say set the pace. I say that first 10, 15 seconds, you're setting the tone of the match, right? So, and it it can already take you leaps and bounds psychologically in the match, right? If you set that tone by essentially doing a 10, 15 second blitz, you know, and sometimes it also pays off positionally. Sometimes it does result in you getting the guard pass or in you getting the sweep. But what I'm saying is even if you gain zero positional advantage, you gain a psychological advantage. So this drill is one of the best fucking drills. And then the fourth thing is like hammers your cardio, like nobody's business. Like it's just a great drill that sucks so many nuggets. Yeah. 
I can, right. I like can it fucking hurts. This speak from experience is a tough drill. Yeah. I've done used properly. That I mean, well, like anything, right? It's yeah. like done properly. You know, yeah, you can you can fuck around with it, but yeah. you can yeah. fuck around with fucking pull ups and be yeah. like, they're easy, yeah, because you're yeah. fucking around. Like doing properly, <laughs> they're hard. Bro. Stop kipping, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and with the the psychological component, I've used this to force people to pull guard. Like particularly when I was a white belt and didn't know too many. Like, well, I knew them, but couldn't perform to a, a decent ability, uh, gi takedowns, which is rip on the collar and shit and make them pull guard, like scare them into pulling guard. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, fuck, I'm about to get taken down. This dude is like strong and he's going bat shit. I'm pulling guard. I'm like, sweet. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 100%. I wanted. So, um, yeah, it's a, a really good drill. Mm. If we talk about attacking from guard, this for me is kind of going to go attacking and defending together a little bit because, you know, if we're talking about defending, we're talking about what? Defending a guard pass essentially because you're playing guard, yeah. right? So it's not like the positional, seri- positional series episode back control where defending is escaping the back and, mm. and not getting submitted. If we're talking about guard and defending, we're talking about defending a guard pass. And uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you kind of flip it. On well, yeah, head, what yeah. else would you be – if you're playing guard, what are you defending against? Your guard pass, the guard pass. Your, your guard yeah. getting passed. Yeah, yeah, you know, Or someone's sitting back on a footlock, right, if yeah. you want to – Ah, I mean, fuck, I hate that shit. <laughs> I always punish people that do that, like try yeah. to anyway. Yeah. yeah. I try to punish people for to anything. Walking the to gym. do anything. Hey, hey, coach, fuck you. <laughs> you I'm exist. Punching, you breathe. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, so – and attacking and defending, I'm kind of going to put together because defending, like I said, is essentially defending guard passes, mm-hmm. which we could go back to our concept of, well, if you have an established guard, that goes a long way. But then essentially we're talking about guard retention, mm-hmm. right? And why I want to put these two together is because if you have good guard retention, you open up the opportunity yeah. to, uh, for, for attacks. What do I mean by that? Well, again, it feels like the 10th time I've said this this episode. I'm sure there's people listening who have had gone through a phase or a period of time with a particular submission or sweep from guard where they've chosen to stop doing it because every time they attempt it, they get their guard pass. Mm-hmm. Every time I try to triangle someone, they, you know, rip their head out and pass. Every time I try to, you know, do this scissor sweep or whatever, like they do this and they pass and, you know, fuck, man, that sweep shit doesn't work. That Man, I'm not doing that anymore. However, if you have really good guard retention, you're then free to essentially attack whatever you want. If you can go from a failed triangle resulting in a guard pass to a failed triangle resulting in just that, a failed triangle back and, then to your you, guard. and then back to your guard, you're then like, imagine if I could just like essentially matrix you or give you a magic tablet that said it is impossible. Your guard is not even, you know, penetrable. Yeah. Adolfo Vieira, not even Marcelo Garcia, not even Gordon Ryan. It is impossible for anyone in the world to pass your guard. You would be like, well, I'm just going to attack sweeps and submissions left, right and center. Cause no matter what, like they're the only three options. You're in my guard. I sweep you or I submit you. So the key to being to attacking from the guard, in my opinion, is having really good guard retention, right? Because then failed attacks and no attack works all the time, right? Like this is another thing. Sometimes people go for 
an armbar and maybe the dude escapes but like you still retain your guard but then they all of a sudden think like oh man like fuck you know that was my best attack i can't armbar him it is unrealistic to think 100% of your attacks will land the same way it is very unrealistic for a boxer to think that 100% of the punches they throw will land does that mean they're going to stop throwing punches? That's right. You don't, yeah. No. That's right. Oh, fuck, man. He blocked that right hook. I won't be able to land one all match. Yeah. That's not how it works. It's illogical. You know? So your ability to have good guard retention is, yeah, in my opinion, what allows you to become incredibly offensive with your guard and attack left, right, and center, whether it's submissions or sweeps. And that's why I wanted to put attacking and defending together because, yeah, defending is essentially guard retention. The route to, to attacking. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So how do we have good guard retention? Um, well, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things, but there's a few like sort of key points that, that, that I could highlight. The first is, and this would be more targeted to beginners, they have a bad habit of overreaching with their legs, Okay. Unless you're engaged in something, your knees should be tucked to your chest. Because let's talk about getting your guard passed just as going to side control for a second just to make it very, very black and white. Let's imagine there's no such thing as back takes. There's no such thing as mount, you know. Let's imagine it is just to guard and side control. If someone can't separate your and, – and side control is what? Chest to chest. Mm-hmm. If someone can't separate your knees from your chest, they can't get side control. Side control doesn't exist if your knees are glued to your chest, right? Obviously, they can't stay there forever, but your knees to your chest, the same way you teach beginners like guard in jiu-jitsu when they don't know what that word even means. You say, oh, in jiu-jitsu, our legs are our guard like boxers' arms are their guards, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, boxers don't leave their arms out extended. Right? They extend them when they're doing something with them, which is what? Throwing a punch. Otherwise, their guard is tucked in protecting their face. Right? So it should be the same with your guard. Your knees are tucked in unless you know, you're extending them to do something. Don't just like for no logical reason extend – like open that space away. You're essentially doing the equivalent of a boxer dropping their hands. Right? And you see that in fucking every bloody – boxing movie in the world the coach will be like whacking them in the head every time they drop their hands okay so that's the first sort of thing right the grip fighting is another massive one which i covered in concepts that's part of your guard establishment right learning how to win that initial grip fight of hands versus legs grip fight until your legs come into play so you can establish okay another so yeah the grip fighting the knees to your chest and another one that um, I'm going to credit my man Levi Jones Leary for. Yeah, I'll this, this one. This was something I've known, but he was the one who put it into a dialogue for yeah, me. Yeah, could articulate right? it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not hard to articulate, but I'd never, it was, mm. I'd never had someone speak it to me in, in words. Yeah. Right? That when Levi, Always sign language and yeah, interpretive yeah, dance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I learned this through interpretive dance. Yeah. Uh, which is that your head never passes your knees. So imagine you're on your back with your knees tucked to your chest, right? Your head should not go outside of your knees, right? Because your guard starts to collapse when that happens. 
uh, and there's a few drills you can do to to practice this. But this is also where where inverting starts to happen, which for me I think is the next most important part of guard retention. Uh, and another one that Levi mentioned was keeping your feet in between their your opponent's shoulders and their waist. So if you can keep your feet pointed in that range. He actually describes it as laser beams. Laser beams, But I'll yeah. give you a really, um, a really great – like so what he means by laser beams. Imagine – remember laser pointers that were all the rage like whatever it was 20, 30 years ago? Yeah. Yeah, for you probably before you were born, the old laser uh. pointer. Yeah, right. Imagine – so Levi would explain it as imagine your feet are laser beams and the laser's got to be hitting your um, your partner's chest or somewhere on their body, right? So, yeah, imagine if you got laser pointers and taped them to the outside of your ankles, right? Like mm. if you can't see the red dot on your opponent, right, your feet essentially are pointing into space, into nowhere, which means yeah. your opponent could get on the inside or the outside. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that's a great tip as well. But – uh, yeah, so your head needs to stay in between your knees and this is where inverting starts happening. Now, inverting I think is probably one of, if definitely one of if not the most important aspect to guard retention. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe years ago, not years ago, but like uh, six months ago or whatever, we got a comment that from someone. was about someone, over a year ago, yeah. It was a long time ago. Fucking inverting, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he Look, mentioned that he used inverting to discredit your jiu-jitsu. But I'm paraphrasing here because I still remember this comment. It was something along the lines of um, he was saying that you. it was an example that you don't know what you're talking about because you spoke about the importance of inverting. And in his gym, no one inverts because it's shit and you're just going to get smashed or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> so <nice>. dumb. <laughs> it was so fucking dumb. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah it's funny because like I, that gym must be onto something despite all the best dudes in the world <laughs> inverting. It's got to be a troll. Surely yeah. he's not serious. But um, yeah, it was funny. Yeah. There, I've trained with people, current people, who do nothing, nothing, do in little air quotes, nothing other than hip escaping to avoid their guard getting passed and their guard is fucking really hard to pass. Mm. Why is inverting so good though? Because multiple reasons. One, that dude that is has a impassable guard from hip escapes took 30 years to get proficient at it, whereas the dude whose guard is just as difficult to pass took one year of inverting, mm-hmm. so it's just uh, more efficient. But inverting is not purely a guard retention tactic it can turn into an invert to retain guard that becomes a leg entanglement yep or whatever else or back you know? take or anything yeah there's so many other parts of inverting uh this and this is also why the head in between your knees is important so you know how you'll learn as a beginner one of the first double attacks you'll learn an americana from mount mm-hmm. and then you'll learn why americanas don't work very often is because they if your arm gets separated from your body yep. and you can't take your arm back to your body you take your body to your arm so people turn to their side you attack the arm bar on the other arm yep. so that's where inverting and like granby rolls and that come from so if someone's passing your guard and your hips start collapsing to the side, so your head starts being taken outside of in between your knees, Mm -hmm. you tuck and put your head back because you can't bring your knees back. You take your head to your Like the Americana, because you can't bring your arm back to your body, because you can't bring your knees back to your head, you take your head 
back in between your knees and this creates the invert, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so there's some of the most important parts of guard retention in my opinion, like the initial, the initial grip fighting, keeping your knees to your chest, the laser beams, mm. the head between your knees and then, and then inverting. Both of those concepts that we, we said we credited to Levi for articulating, they both apply to inverting. Because they do, yes, if, if yes. you're if you're inverting, you're also keeping your feet laser beamed on your opponent. Because if you think about, say, that they try to pass around to north south, right? If you don't do anything about it in terms of an invert and bring your feet back, then your feet aren't pointing at them. If you invert, your feet are then pointing at them. That's another good point as well, because inverting doesn't only have to be that sideways invert mm. that you see really advanced bearing bolo people do, or that you do in a warm up when you're in lines. An invert can just be exactly that. When someone passes round to north-south, you essentially stacking yourself. Mm-hmm. Like that's an invert, okay? So it doesn't always have to be this sideways roll. And it's just quicker. When someone walks around to north-south, it is way quicker just to stack yourself and point your laser beams at them than to fucking hip, hip escape yeah. around a 180. And do you really think you're going to be able to hip escape faster than they can walk or like scurry? No, scurry. Yeah, yeah, scuttle. Right. Uh, So the last thing I then want to talk about regarding inverting is something that I use to get better at it. And this, to be honest, was not something I started doing until uh, brown and black belt to really take my guard to another level. So I'd always been quite fortunate with having a – even though I prefer to be on top, we established at the beginning, I – was always relatively fortunate at having a difficult guard to pass because I've got long legs. However, I think it you know, has its pros and cons. I never really had great guard retention and especially as I got to like brown and black belt, I started to see that a bit more that that any failed attacks would typically result in a, in a guard pass when I started fighting other brown and black belts. And – Inverting is not really my thing. I can invert. Don't, it's not a problem for me, but it's not like I'm a bolo guy. But I needed to get better at inverting for better guard retention. So what did I do? Instead of just inverting for guard retention, I spent a good amount of time, probably six months, where all I did when I played guard was attack bearing bolos. Why? Not because I particularly wanted to do bolos, although it is fun to bolo someone and take their back. It was more that if I only inverted for guard retention, that meant whenever, when I was, whether I was allowed to practice my inverting or not was completely out of my control. It was dependent on my partner uh, getting past my first lines of defense when it comes to passing my guard. So therefore I only got to practice my inverting if someone was almost passing my guard. In other words, out of my control. But I wanted to get better at inverting to help my guard retention, not so much just get better at guard retention. So I started to do bolos because then it's in my control. I was able to practice inverting because a bolo is an inversion technique. Mm. So I spent six months essentially just practicing inverting through bolo. So then I got to choose when I could invert essentially. And practicing bolos for six months made me way better at inverting. So then when it came to the guard retention aspect of inverting, 
the skill of inversion yeah. and the was not a problem, yeah. right? I then just had to marry the guard retention and the inversion. Whereas previously I was trying to work on guard retention and inverting at the same time. And when I got to work on those two things was up to my opponent. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I went away, fixed inverting, and then I just had to marry it to guard retention. Yeah. So that's my opinion. Yeah, there's that one dude that probably still doesn't listen to the podcast. That, <laughs> you know, probably opened his own gym called Hip Escapes or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hip Escapes are us. Yeah. Let's go. But that, again, that's why I kind of wanted to put attacking and defending together because yeah. I believe, yeah, defending is guard retention. I mean, yeah, we could go into more specific, like, you know, if we're talking about the gi, don't let them get double pant grips. Like that's a yeah. pant, that's a hard grip. You know, you want to defend that grip, break that grip. You know, mm. we could talk. How do you break that grip? Okay, we could go into more details. Like I said, it's a bit more of a overarching. Those finer details of attacking and defending, in my opinion, are better spoken about when we're talking about specific guards. You mm. know, if we're talking about collar sleeve guard attacking you know, collar sleeve, attacking the omniplatas, the mm. triangles, the shotgun Because in each armors. guard there's like a, a critical grip you need to break first. Or yeah, and a critical you need to grip that can like shut down your guard, right? Yeah, so yeah, then we 100%. can talk about, you know, you got to defend this grip or whatever. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And it's it's too much of a rabbit hole. There's way too many techniques. There's, the sport has thousands and thousands of moves. So yeah. we're talking more concepts. So, so far we've talked about in terms of uh, guard retention, you spoke about keeping your head between your knees, your knees to your chest, the laser beam technique, being, meaning your feet need to be pointing at your opponent and working on inverting and combining all three. Once you can add those into inverting, it will vastly improve your guard retention. Yeah, 100%, uh, massively, you know. Uh, I mean, if it worked for me, it could work for you guys. Yeah. Uh, You're a big dude to invert as well. So yeah, yeah, I'm not the smallest dude. Yeah, I got that post-surgery belly getting in the way as well, but I'm still getting. You got a lot down. of a lot of body to invert yeah, there, bro. That's right. Uh, so resources. If we're talking about guard, well, like most of these positional series, when we talk about resources, we're essentially just referencing, you know, instructionals and any particular ones that stand out. All I would name is a few people who are well-known for particular guards. So it's going to depend on what you want to do. Like, you know, let's say Mikey Musumeshi is one of the best um, Sparta guard players in the world. Mm. You know, you've got Levi and Mikey Musumeshi if you bolos. like bolos. Mm -hmm. You've got, you know, Marcelo Garcia if you like, uh, you know, butterfly guard or X guard. Mm -hmm. You've got um, – you have uh, to Bernardo Faria, if you like deep half guard. Yeah. Obviously, again, every Gordon episode Ryan. we pretty much say anything from Gordon Ryan. Gordon you know, Ryan's half guard is is very good. Yeah, you got Craig Jones if you like Z guard, right? Yeah. So, you know, whichever one of those mm. those guards that you want that you want to pursue. All I will mm. say is don't just buy a million fucking instructionals. Like pick, pick one, one and work your way through it, yeah. right? And you know, there's a lot of Danaher has a lot of information there. Whole systems on it. Yeah, he's got systems on how to choose the correct instructional. He does, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> During the uh, the seminar he did, the first question was something along the lines of, like it was a bit of a Did it do up. like it as in at the end? He did like a Q&A Oh, yeah, we, went, sort of we went over time, man. Like we did. So the seminar um, was three hours of actual technique and the first two hours everyone was fucked. Everyone was sweating because it was all stand-up pretty much. And then um, – and then the after we completed the seminar, he went into Q and A. So it wasn't part of the seminar; it was after, and it was a whole like hour and fifteen minutes. And people were queuing up for the next one, and 
And, oh, uh, he did two seminars back. Yeah, to back. He, there was like a last minute. The the second one was a different technique, and it was a little bit lighter on. Um, but yeah, he spent uh, over an hour talking, and the first question was a bit of a suck up question. It was like, oh, how do we how do we study your instructionals? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Danaher spent probably fifteen minutes. I shit you not answering this question. Um, <laughs> in, minute detail and he spoke about his philosophy about creating the instruction it was like the history between him and bjj fanatics we got a whole fucking whole lesson on it, it was great yeah. oh <laughs> it was actually God. really entertaining i will i'll save it for the next episode though because i've yeah, got a lot yeah, to yeah. talk about in terms yeah, of that no, looking so. forward to it yeah. uh yeah guys so yeah that was the fi- not the final positional series episode but the, the final, final countdown. Countdown. <laughs> the final of like the sort of overarching main main pos- Main sort of ones that we yes. that we want to go over. We're going to more more. Next time ones. we we uh, cover the positional series, it will be. Although um, we haven't done stand up, that's a position. It is a position. We could, but we're jujitsu guys. We're not fucking wrestlers. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah, we we'll get a wrestler on, and then get yeah. a judo guy on. Yeah, no, nah, fuck that. Judo is lame. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get thrown really hard by Samir <laughs> next time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So the next time we we cover this series, it will be going into more detail. We'll be taking one of these positions we've brushed over, be it, um, you know, a specific, maybe Kimura trap, neon belly, a specific guard, right? And we're going to talk about that with the same sort of intro concepts, et cetera, et cetera. And the way I recommend that we do that and we're going to do that is we'll put out a a bit of a poll to the community and see what what you guys want us to tackle and then we'll take it in that order. Because there's obviously a million... A million positions, and if Absolutely. if you know if we've got a few listeners who are like, "Hey, man, do Spider Guard," yeah, we'll opposed do Spider to Guard, us yeah. doing like I don't know, fucking whatever Z Guard, and yeah. it turns out that none of our listeners <laughs> no give one, a shit no about, one gives about it. Shit about yeah. Z Guard, no. yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. So that's how we'll do it, just to you know to give back to the community. But what's coming up on the Beyond Jiu Jitsu podcast is next episode. We already alluded to it. We're going to be talking about. Um, the John Danaher extraordinaire seminar. And then the episode after that, we have a surprise guest that we're bringing on. Yeah, we can tell them. Uh, sure. Go for it. Yeah. Well, well, we've just got someone coming on for the Australian listeners. You pro- you've probably heard of subversion. Subversion is like a, a fight organization. Think like, you know, who's number one, but just locally here. Uh, in Australia, their last one actually was streamed on Flow Grappling, wasn't it? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, so I, I believe this one will be as well. So it's one of those sort of events where you just mm. have, you know, the a bunch of different super fights. So we yeah. have one of the organisers from Subversion coming on prior to their upcoming event in March. It's called Equinox, this one. Yeah, which uh, – Looks like Jer- a Jeremy's on, right? I think so. Yeah, and, so Jeremy and, Paul Skinner, um, who we've had on the podcast before. And Baby Dave, who Jeremy fought at ADCC um, Trials Finals yeah. for Oceana. So um, looking forward to both of those matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so they're the next two episodes mm-hmm. coming up. And then episode 130, which is the episode after that, is our Q&A episode. So That's right. if you have a question, we, we do have some open spots for questions. Uh, we're still taking questions all the way up until we record the episode. Do we take them in audio format, Kieran? I believe we do. Ooh, we take them in audio. Cool. And uh, how do how do I submit a question though, Adam? Oh, I think if you go onto our Instagram at Beyond Jiu-Jitsu underscore podcast, there will be a link tree, mm-hmm. and right there you can click a link. Man, it's like just recording a WhatsApp message. Just, Wham bam, thank you, ma'am. Let's send go. Send a message. Off, that off you go. Easy. Straight up your phone. 
Yes. And uh, uh, I think there's a link in the description as well. So you can do that. Oh, mate. God. Links how everywhere. Can, how can you miss it? Links galore. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that is a wrap from the boys here at <laughs> <laughs> the Beyond Jiu Jitsu <laughs> podcast. Guys, thanks so much for listening. As always, uh, we will catch you next, next time. time, maybe. Bye bye. 